WATD presents Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi. If it's Monday night, it's got to be Monday Night Talk with Kevin Tachi. So thanks for having me on. Kevin, good for you to hold back and let him tell a story. Putting the South Shore spin on politics, current events, and pop culture. You guys are the center of the universe today. At least the political universe. I believe both of you are, are from the area. Marshfield guys, yes, no? Correct, yeah. That's right. There's only one person not from Marshfield in this room right now. That's you. It's me. I'm the outcast. Well, you've always been generous with the time. I appreciate it very much. Oh, I'm honored to be on your show tonight, Kevin, with that impressive lineup you have. I believe our guest that we've been waiting for, Congressman Stephen Lynch. Kevin, good to join you. The governor of the Commonwealth, very Charlie good. Becky. You ready? i got to tell you that uh, it's really nice to hear Aerosmith on the intro there. You're going to be the rock and roll governor? I don't know about that, but... <laughs> we have Mayor Joe Sullivan joining us, sir. How are you? Well, Kevin, very good to be with you again. Dr. Drew Pinsky. Dr. Drew, are you there? I'm here. Thanks for having me. Mr. Ming Tsai, welcome to the show, sir. Hey, thanks, Kevin. Massachusetts State Auditor Suzanne Bump. Hello, Auditor. How are you? I am fine, and I'm delighted to be with you this evening. And now, your host, Kevin Tachi. Welcome and good evening. You are indeed tuned into Monday Night Talk here on 95.9. W-A-T-D. My name is, in fact, Kevin Tachi, and we have we have an economy-sized version of Monday Night Talk, where uh, after, the, uh, after 7 o'clock, we have a political forum featuring the uh, combatants for the 1st Plymouth District State Rep seat, your incumbent, Matt Muratori, uh, opposed by... Stephen Michael Palmer. Yes, no, it's, no, you're not, uh, and if you're at home saying, wait, I've heard this before. Yes, this is, I'm trying to think, if this was like an MMA fight or a boxing fight, would this be like, I don't know if this is like the the third iteration, a fourth. I, I know this is, these two have, have faced off, squared off to uh, previously. So this is uh, a return bout, and it should be a good one. Coming up at 7 o'clock. But this show, starting in just a few moments after we check traffic, uh, 620. We will speak with Alex Bazanson. Every last vote has been counted. Counted again. And then when they weren't sure, people took off their shoes. And they counted again. And I guess the, the votes are in. And uh, finally, after a couple of days, several days... Uh, the uh, Secretary of State's office has uh, come up with the official numbers, the official, official, unofficial, official numbers. And Alex Bazanson uh, is the Democratic nominee uh, to run for Plymouth County Commissioner. Because he'll square off against incumbent uh, Sandra Wright on November 8th. But we'll have Alex in to kind of just chat a little bit about uh, finally getting those results, what it means. And then... At just around 6.40, we're going to speak with Jeff Deal. Jeff Deal is the uh, Republican candidate for governor here in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. You know, pop in studio and join us and chat a little bit about how things are out on the campaign trail. I guess there's been some new polling released, uh, an Emerson College poll that shows that uh, there's, a, there's a lead I mean, when it comes to unenrolled voters polls there's so many polls out there but we'll talk about that and some of the other things that are that are very prominent when it comes to uh, the race for governor 
as uh, Jeff Deal is a uh, Republican nominee for that. So we're, we're definitely looking forward to looking forward to that. And, and again, just a reminder: if you've missed any of the segments, uh, there is a way for you to just check on the website nine five nine watd dot com. Search for talk shows, podcasts. You'll be able to find the Monday Night Talk uh, podcast, or you can just search online Monday Night Talk uh, via Podbean. And I can't tell you, I mean, it's well over well over 11 years that we've been posting podcasts. Over 50,000 folks have downloaded and enjoyed this radio program, which is good. So we, uh, as I do my best to make sure that some of the folks we have on are somehow representing the local community and the conversations are, are that of what's what's taking place to kind of better inform you and give you a little bit of a long form of some of the things that are going on where sometimes we can't do it in just one or two minutes. We can do it a little bit longer uh, here on a radio program like this as some of the other talk shows that we have here on 95.9 WATD. If this thing called civilization was going to end, I think it would have ceased during one of the two world wars. My grandparents never gave up. They worked and lived till the bitter end, which wasn't bitter at all. Actually, it was sweet. Their life was sweet. I want my life the same. I want to work, coach my kid's soccer team, go out to eat after, and then come home to my bed where I can rest my bones. Then get up and do it all again tomorrow. That's what I want. That's what I'm working for. And that is my American dream. I can't do it alone. I need you. We need each other. We're all in this together, and together we can have our American dreams. As long as we're willing to do what is necessary to survive on this marble called Earth. Brennan's Smoke Shop, the best smoke shop in Massachusetts and now New Hampshire. Brennan's Smoke Shop, customers must be 21 years of age or older, and proper ID is required. Monday Night Talk on Twitter. Start at 959WATD.com slash Monday Night Talk. And don't forget to add hashtag Monday Night Talk to your tweets. We now return to Kevin Tachi and Monday Night Talk. All right. We return. And uh, first up at the plate is Alex Bazanson, candidate for Plymouth County Commissioner. Alex, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Also, worth noting also, Alex is the chairman for the Board of Selectmen in Abington. And he's also, uh, I think, the founder-creator of the HUG Foundation. HUG, standing as an acronym for Help Us Give. Hello, Alex. How are you, Kevin? Good. So, so the news is that uh, you have been chosen as the Democratic nominee for Plymouth County Commissioner, uh, as the votes have been uh, ofi- official now as of the Secretary of State, is that correct? That is correct. Um, and uh, first of all, I want to give a shout out to my opponent, Carlos De Silva. Um, it's never easy losing a race, but, um, you know, when there's only 89 votes that separate us out of over 45,000 votes that cast, that means that he had a huge following and a huge message out there that I'm going to try and uh, continue as part of my message also. 
But, um, Carlos, um, if you're listening, congratulations on a great race. You worked extremely hard, and I wish you nothing but the best going forward. So what now? How do you, you know, was it tough to kind of have to wait on the sidelines until everything was official? Um, And did did that deter you from getting out there and doing standouts and continuing the campaign until you were sure? It did. And, um, you know, we started to get some money in the mail after the primary, and we didn't even cash the checks until uh, it was official um, because we would have returned them if we had not won. Um, And it was up and down all week. And um, we had done our homework and originally found that the uh, numbers that AP were reporting were wrong. Uh, they only had one precinct in Kingston. And I think the Friday at noontime after the election, I went on this station and announced that I had won. Um, and then after that, there were some other votes that were counted, hand-counted votes. And um, e- almost every town, I would guess 20 or 21 out of the 27, the numbers did change Um a couple of days after the election. And that's due to um, provisional votes, uh, overseas votes that they're allowed to count afterwards. Uh, Any mail-in votes had to be uh, put through the machine by 8 o'clock on election night. But the trend on the towns that Carlos won, he picked up more votes. On the towns that I won, I picked up more votes. So the trend in the margin was about the same. Going forward, we had it at 77 votes originally, and now after everything was counted, it was 89 votes. So um, the trend stayed the same, so we felt good. Um, Probably around Thursday after the election that we had won it. Uh, But we didn't get the confirmation from the Secretary of State until eight days after the election, which was last Wednesday. So until it's official, it's not official. And uh, it was tough, and I'm sure it was just as tough on uh, Carlos and his family as it was on, you know, my wife and uh, my mother and all of us and my campaign staff. So I heard I heard you actually had a chance to, uh, to, to meet somebody, uh, uh, a high-ranking official from uh, another country over the weekend. Is that correct? I did. Uh, what an honor it was. Um, Council President Jack Lally, uh, City of Brockton Council President, invited me to a luncheon yesterday to meet the president of Cape Verde. And um, I actually stood with Mike Brady, Senator Brady, as he came in the room, and I was able to have in a few seconds with him and uh, talk to him just for a second. I did present him with the um, uh, American flag lapel pin, but uh, we met him. And we met uh, the first lady and uh, some Congress people. Uh, so it was it was a very very big honor, and I thank Jack for inviting me. So what now? What is your focus now? Is it you know? Are you ready to get out there and and campaign? And and how do you how do you change your focus from from one candidate to the next for this race? Well, I think. Even through the primary, uh, my focus and my opponent's focus was um, a lot of it was on transparency. 
at the registry. I mean, I'm sorry, at the uh, county commission. Um, and I'm not accusing them of doing anything wrong, but you know, uh, you know, I printed out all the agendas for the last year um, and all the minutes for the last year, and some of the dates don't match. And um, you know, they say they're going to have a meeting on a certain date, and then they don't have it. You know, so there's things like that that make it look like there's something wrong, especially with the whole horse track and people upset over that. You know, it doesn't look good when there's things that appear to be that they're hiding things. And I'm not saying they are by any stretch. I think it's just um, some sloppy sloppiness. And um, the other thing is all, all these meetings should be televised. And um, I don't know if PAC-TV needs any more work, but I'm certainly going to suggest, strongly suggest, at my first meeting that they start um, taping these meetings so they can distribute it to all 27 communities. And it seems um, as, it, it, you know, I was going to say, it seems as though the, the big, I think the, the, bit, the major issue is going to be the, the county lot, the wood lot. And right. the the prop, you know, the proposal to have some kind of entertainment uh, and and the agreement that's been that's been inked with uh, an organization. Yeah, um, you know, it started out, and, and I have finally, after requesting it, I have a copy of the lease, I have a copy of the RFP, and I have a copy of the uh, returned RFP from Boston South. I just don't like the way the whole thing was done. Um, they, I just think there should have been more public hearings on it. Uh, Plymouth spoke overwhelmingly against a horse track and a casino. I believe it was 8,900 votes to, I don't know, 600 votes. It was a ridiculous amount of uh, people that voted against it. And I said throughout the entire primary race that I will never support a horse track or a casino on that lot. And... To say that nothing's ever going to be built there would be a lie. I think something will happen there. And um, I think just like any other piece of land in any other town, it has to go through the zoning board, the conservation commission, the uh, planning board, uh, the selectmen, and maybe even a binding referendum in uh, Plymouth. But it should not be jammed down their throat, something that the town doesn't want. If anyone's familiar with the area, the infrastructure is horrendous down there. And it's only getting worse. And when 3,000 apartments, I think it's about 3,000 apartments opening up uh, behind Home Depot, it's only going to get worse. So there needs to be major, major infrastructure coming right off of Route 3 into that area if anything of any size that's going to draw a crowd is going to be built in there. Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm prowling around your I'm prowling around your website, alexbzanza.org, and it says the first thing I come up to it says I'm not afraid to talk about my priorities. What are your priorities? Well, my priorities, first and foremost, is transparency and uh, televising the meetings. Next, I think that if you look through the minutes and the agenda. For the last year, and that's all I've printed out, I've looked at others, there's not one commissioner there that I've seen that proposes anything. They go to the meetings, they approve vouchers, they approve 
the pay raises. They approved the lease for uh, um, the wooded lot, but they're not proposing anything. I'm a proactive selectman. I always have been. I was a proactive conservation commissioner. I was a proactive water commissioner. My first meeting as a water commissioner, I proposed in the past that any um, veteran, senior, or low-income housing does not have to pay the system development fee in Abington, which is hundreds of thousands of dollars sometimes. Nobody had done that before I got on there. When I got on the Board of Selectmen, someone approached me about doing a dog park. We worked until we got the dog park done. Someone approached me about uh, substance abuse. We started a substance abuse coalition. I'm a proactive type of person, and that's what I'm going to do as your county commissioner. I'm going to meet with every one of the town managers or town administrators and the mayor of Brockton to find out what their needs are, and we're going to help them meet those needs. If you just tuned in, we are speaking with Alex Bazanson. Alex is uh, a candidate for Plymouth County Commissioner, Democrat, and he's our guest. Um, So I I guess the next thing I would ask you is uh, what what other issues do you feel are paramount with this race for for county commissioner? Is is it basically transparency? Is it basically about doing more when when the commission meets? Well, I think it's a lot of things. I think I want to help see if we can help the small towns with the water problems that's plaguing all the towns. Um, the PFAS is a huge problem. Abington uh, voted uh, $13 million at last, last town meeting, as did Rockland, because we're a joint water work. $26 million to help fix the problem that we didn't create. Uh, a lot of these small towns don't have enough water. Uh, is there a way that we can get some of the uh, desalination water from Brockton. I mean, it would mean major infrastructure um, improvements. But I think these are some of the things we need to look at. Does it make sense to do um, regional transfer stations? A lot of these small towns, Abington and Rockland, East Bridgewater, don't have a transfer station. Abington has a small one that we can drop off uh branches and leaves, but that's all. Um, I think the county commission can be much more. And I think COVID has taught us that we need to regionalize certain things and we need to, um, we need to work together. And I think uh, Plymouth County has the ability to do a lot of good things for the town. You know, another thing like Abington does not have an HR person. The town manager has to act as, as the HR person. Does it make sense to look into four or five towns, or even all 26 or 27 towns, that um, anyone that doesn't have a HR person? Do we set that up at the county and run all the applications through there, and then they present to the selectmen, you know, the best candidate? So there's lots of things that we can think about and um, try. Some things won't work, but, you know, we, we need to give some of these things a try. It's also worth noting that you you actually have a uh, a regular uh, radio show on this uh, on this station every Tuesday night from seven to eight. Do you want to take a quick moment to tease your guests for tomorrow night? Yeah, uh, well, we've only got one guest so far, and um, I'm waiting to hear from uh, Senator Keenan if he can make it. Um, we are scheduling out for several weeks at this point, uh, but tomorrow night 
we do have Sarah McCormick, and I actually met her last Tuesday night at the WATD Open House, and she works for whales.org, and it's a program to save the whales and dolphins, and she's going to come in and explain what she's doing and what uh, whales.org does. Um, Coming down the line in the next couple of weeks, we have um, Rick Middleton and Joe Howard. Uh, Rick Middleton was um, a former Boston Bruins player, but a lot of people don't know that he was also the coach in the 2000, uh, 2002 Winter Olympics, Paralympics, uh, for the sled hockey team, which was ranked six out of six teams, wow. and they ended up winning the goal. And uh, Joe Howard, who lives right here in Plymouth County in Kingston, he was the captain of that team. And I believe they went on to win another gold after that. And um, they were just inducted into the Olympic U.S. Olympic Hall of Fame recently. So we're going to have them on. Um, we're going to have most of the candidates. Uh, I talked to Rita uh, Mendez yesterday. She'll be on. I spoke with uh, Representative Kathy Lenatra today. She'll be on a future show. Um, so we're gonna, we have a lot of exciting um, guests coming up uh, between now and Election Day. And if folks want to find out more about your campaign, how can they do that? Well, the best way is to find us on Facebook at Alex Bazanson, the Plymouth County Commissioner, or my website, alexbazanson.org. Alex, again, thank you for joining us, and thank you for the update in regards to your race. <laughs> Thank you very much, Kevin. Thanks for having me. You got it. We're going to step aside uh, for this uh, abbreviated version of Monday Night Talk. When we come back, up next is uh, Jeff Deal, candidate for governor here at the Commonwealth of Mass. You're tuned in to Monday Night Talk right here on 95.9 WATD. <laughs> is Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi on 95.9 WATD. Attention military veterans, friends, and family members. You're invited to a tremendous free day of fun, food, entertainment, networking, and resource gathering at the Brockton Veterans Expo Benefits and Job Fair, Saturday, September 24th, from 10 a.m. till 2 p.m. Join fellow veterans and military families for a free barbecue grill fest. Check out the military vehicle display and enjoy live music from the South Shore's premier veterans group, Jimbo and the Creekside Band. Get a VA disability claim established. Learn about all your state and VA benefit programs. Or find the perfect job at the veterans-friendly job fair while the kids enjoy pony rides, games, and the bounce house. If you ever served in uniform, this event is for you. Don't miss the Brockton Veterans Expo and Job Fair Saturday, September 24th at the Boston VA's Brockton Campus, 940 Belmont Street in Brockton. This event is free and veterans of all ages and their families are encouraged to attend. For more information, search for the Brockton Veterans Expo at eventbrite.com. McGuigan's Pub is an upscale Irish pub with all the class of a Boston pub. The menu offers favorites like steak tips, fish and chips, meatloaf, as well as burgers, sandwiches, and pizza. The relaxed, comfortable atmosphere at McGuigan's makes it the perfect place to eat, drink, and socialize with family and friends. New hours are Tuesday through Thursday, 4 to close, Friday through Sunday, 11.30 to close. McGuigan's Pub is at 546 Washington Street in Whitman, with the full menu available at McGuigan's Pub 
Com. By the middle of the week, so much news has come your way, you need your own team to sort it out. Lucky for you, there's Jared Valenzuela and the JV team to talk about the things you've heard and catch you up on some things you might not know. I'm Jared Valenzuela. Join me and my guests as we have fun with current events and try to put things into perspective each week. Sponsored by Corey Welch of Boom Realty. Catch the JV team every Wednesday night at 6.15 here on 95.9 WATD. Be a part of the show. Call in and join in the conversation. 781-837-4900. Now, back to Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi. All right, welcome back. Hey, don't forget, coming up top of the hour, uh, a political forum featuring the two candidates, the combatants for the 1st Plymouth District State Rep race, Matt Muratori, Stephen Michael Palmer. Don't miss it. But right now, we have uh, Republican gubernatorial candidates. Jeff Deal, right here in studio to talk a little bit about how everything is going. Uh, congratulations on securing the GOP nod for governor. Hey, thanks, Kevin, and thanks for having me on the show. Obviously, Monday Night Talk, greatest thing I can do uh, Ever since, what was it, 2010, I think, yeah. I started coming on? Yeah. So, over a decade of doing this. Thank you. So I, well, I definitely appreciate it. Um, how, do you, how, does, how does everything feel? How, since, you know, getting the results, you know, on primary night and knowing that you're moving ahead to face uh, Maura Healy, the AG, uh, to square off to be the next governor of the Commonwealth, what's yeah. it been like since? Well, look, I mean, I first of all respect that uh, I had a primary opponent, uh, Chris Doty, a successful businessman from Rentham, spent um, about $2.5 million to try to defeat me. And, uh, you know, that's always a challenge to try to win those races. But, you know, again, we felt like we had been putting a team together and spreading the message across the state that really resonated with the voters, or at least in the Republican primary. Obviously, that's going to be, you know, the challenge for the next two months is to make sure people know what I'm talking about. But we really looked beyond the primary because we figured, look, this race is so important for the entire state. Right now, coming out of the pandemic and having served in the legislature for eight years, I really, you know, and having run for U.S. Senate in 2018, I understood what was going on in Massachusetts regionally, economically, with schools, with small businesses, and, and of course, the challenges we have coming out of the pandemic. So our message when I first decided to run over a year ago, uh, I announced July 4th of 2021, I was willing to run against Charlie Baker if I had to. I was, my goal was to make sure that we had a healthy debate about what was important for all the people of Massachusetts, not just a Republican primary. So what I was really pleased most about on election night uh, just two weeks ago for the primary was that we got that strong response from Republicans about messaging that really was aimed at everyone, Democrat, Independent, and Republican. So that was that was the best part about that night. I, I would think the second best was is that that the ticket remained intact because <laughs> there could have been a, a point where you ended up with uh, Kate Campanelli as your running mate, correct? Yeah, no, I mean, look, first of all... No knock on, on Kate. No, I served with Kate up on Beacon Hill. And, right. um, you know, obviously, uh, Chris Doty and, and she sort of teamed up. I teamed up. And that's not n- normally how things go in this state. I mean, yes... For the general election, we are sort of welded together on that that ballot. Mm -hmm. But in the primary, you actually run separately. And uh, that could have happened, a split ticket. But what was happening for me was I was campaigning several months back. And um, Leah Allen, she used to be called Leah Cole before she got married. She, um, she, after she left the legislature, she became a nurse. It was a kind of a lifelong dream for her. She ended up having uh, two children. The second child she was pregnant with during the pandemic, she was working on a COVID ward. 
and the vaccines came out just as she was having her baby. She did not want to get vaccinated because she was breastfeeding and very concerned about the health of her child without any real research on it. So she got fired from her job. So she started coming around to my campaign events just to kind of introduce me and be supportive of what I was doing. And finally, I said, I think after the third time she showed up at an event, I said, Leah, why don't you run with me? Why don't you? Your story is so important to what I'm trying to talk about, which is the fact that I don't think government should step in between a person and their health care choices. And you're an exact perfect example of somebody who lost their job when they should have been able to make their own health care choice. So why don't you run? She said she would. And she ended up doing it. And, um, you know, like you said, uh, it was a little bit closer between she and my uh, and, and her opponent in the lieutenant governor's race but ultimately uh she prevailed as well and so we are uh you know the ticket that's going forward she's from uh, danvers up in the north uh part of the state and i'm obviously from the south shore area down here and so for us we think regionally we we offer that different perspective and uh, on top of that she did serve in the legislature was always supportive of the work i did with her as well we worked together on that gas tax ballot question in 2014 where we stopped it from being linked to inflation so that it wouldn't go up automatically with CPI or inflation, and by the way, with inflation as high as it is right now, thank goodness that our gas tax is not linked to it because gas is already way more expensive than it should be. So, you know, I'm really proud to have Leah on the ticket as well, and it's going to be an interesting two months as we uh, move forward. Actually, it's almost like seven weeks, really. Let's let's talk a little bit about polling. How much is the campaign looking at polling and and using it as a tool uh you know your campaign released uh, something in regards to the emerson college poll that showed that there was a a significant uh jump when it came to unenrolled voters that that they're 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 you're leading your opponent over over uh six percent yeah i mean that's really the I think untold story in this state, and that is uh, something that I certainly understand why some of the mainstream media folks don't necessarily want to cover is the fact that we actually lead more Healy um, by six points with independents or unenrolled, however you want to call it. The people who are not registered Democrat, not registered Republican, they make up 57 percent of the state's electorate. Fifty seven percent right now are saying by a six point margin that they want me to be governor over Moore Healy. That's a really great poll that we got about three days after the primary was over. And we're excited to run with that story. But beyond that, it's really still uh, I'm going to have to make my case every day because as a Republican, we always know we're under the gun in this state. We're going to be outspent. We're going to be outpolled. Scott Brown was losing his race up until just a couple weeks before. Charlie Baker was at 35 percent about two months out, same where I was a couple weeks ago. So the fact of the matter is we always have to make sure we work as hard as possible to run through the tape and try to make sure that we win this. But the history of Massachusetts also shows that 24 of the last 32 years, we've had a Republican governor in office, and they tend to be a great check on a legislature that's dominated by Democrats in the House and Senate. Right, and that's something that, you know, if fo- folks are looking for checks and balances, that's that's the perfect way to do it. If, you know, people aren't going to vote Republican for the legislature to kind of balance things out, then this this is a, a quintessential move to be able to kind of keep everything even Stephen. And speaking of checks, Governor Baker will be returning $3 billion in checks back to the taxpayers who are overpaid by about $6 billion actually this year. We had $6 billion in unexpected uh, excess revenue for the state. The legislature, the Democrat-controlled supermajority legislature of Democrats don't want to return that money, but Baker was able to find a uh, cite a 1986 law that allows us to return that money to them. So, you know, you do. You need to have that Republican there, I think, just to say, hey, guys, every now and then the taxpayer deserves that break. And uh, it's not just taxes, though. I think part of the thing I want to talk to 
you know, people about it, and I hope they know by now, is that with education, I want parents to have a stronger voice at that school board level and with their kids' curriculum. I want to make sure that um, parents have a choice as to what schools the kids go to with our tax dollars. I, I want to offer school choice, true school choice, whether the state funds go to your public school or you can use them for the private school or you can even use some of the funds for homeschooling if that's the choice you want. I think uh, after the pandemic, a lot of parents said, you know what? I'm concerned about what the kids are learning. I'm, I'm concerned they're behind right now in their education. I'm going to step in and help. So I want to give those parents a chance to vote with their feet where their kids go. If we had... And the dollars will follow. If we had different leadership in the corner office, let's say we had a Democrat, do you think that we would not be seeing those funds return, that there'd be a way to kind of redirect them back into the general fund or try to... Ex- uh, you know, do a sub budget to spend. Well, I can budget? tell you this. I think the speaker right off the bat was questioning the fact that it was even possible. I think there was efforts by the legislature to uh, to block it, um, although they were they were past session. There was already a, a an effort to try to return some of the excess tax dollars, but it died on the last day of session uh, as well. So, you know, the reluctance to give back taxpayers some relief, especially at a time when economically we're seeing heavy inflation really heavy inflation mortgage rates are are increasing pretty rapidly right now we're seeing food doubling right so the cost of just go to a a local breakfast place and ask them how much their eggs cost a year ago twice as much now than it was a year ago gas up by 25 percent from where it was two years ago it's it's you know we're in you know very economically difficult times the legislature could have suspended the gas tax that was a proposal they didn't do it every now and then you again you have to have somebody who comes along and fiscally says Let's try to make a better decision up here on Beacon Hill. And that was my track record for eight years while I served uh, at the State House. And it's something that, you know, I think people respect as far as being willing to say no once in a while as governor. You just need that, like you said earlier, check and balance. Do you feel that elected leaders are turning a blind eye to the possibility that we could be heading into a, I don't want to say the R word, but recession? Yeah, I mean, it feels like, uh, I think FedEx actually just announced uh, today that they, um, they're seeing a 20% reduction in their overall business, and it's globally. So they're seeing a global recession um, on the horizon, and I think that they include the United States as part of that. And I think what you're starting to see, too, is that, um, again, with the Fed starting to raise interest rates, they realize that we're going to get – the old-fashioned term, I think, is stagflation, right? Stagnant wages with inflation happening at the same time creates a situation where there's less um, – disposable income in the household is you know for anything beyond just core things like mortgages and commuting and food and what that does is obviously creates less consumer confidence and less purchasing and then that ends up causing a retraction in overall production in u.s um, manufacturing so all of this is to say that yes it seems inevitable that we're going to go into a contracted period right now and we need to make sure that with our tax dollars that we have currently up on beacon hill we're more frugal with them as well for the future Interesting enough, you know, I, I want to try to keep things to, to stay politic, but every now and then, you know, the things I, I'm not going to weigh in on the Queen. I'm, I no. got, God bless uh, the God UK. God save the King. God save the, the King. Um, your, your campaign actually released a statement in regards to the relocation of the illegal immigrants from Florida to Martha's Vineyard. What, what's your thought on, on, a, a, on this particular situation? I mean, when in 2018 I ran for U.S. Senate, I actually went down to El Paso. I stood at the border. I saw where the the fence stopped in some locations, and you could. I had a, a local uh, uh, customs, or I'm sorry, uh, border patrol agents telling me exactly where and how they were, you know, coming across. And it, it really was something that you know, 
in the Trump administration, he had focused on trying to make sure we had a secure border. I always felt that that was an important thing. And the problem is that um, when you have an unsecure border and then you have a state or I'm sorry, a welfare state like the country has, you're going to create a problem where people are just incentivized to come in and there's no accountability. Once they get here, they 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 get benefits that theoretically they're not supposed to be getting. So I can see the incentive. And if we could just have a secure border, we could cut off that incentive. In Massachusetts, we have six cities or towns that have declared themselves sanctuary cities or sanctuary towns. And what that means is that they will not allow local law enforcement to even try to arrest or deport anybody who is here illegally that's committed a crime. That's a problem as well. And that creates, again, incentive for people to come into Massachusetts. So in this case, you know, I think what uh, Governor DeSantis out of Florida was doing was trying to make a point that the southern states that are dealing directly with the immigrants coming in um, and, and causing those cities or towns to have a tremendous amount of resources being expended for housing and food and education, there, there was no real help from other states in that situation. That was, I think, the message being sent. You know, thankfully, it wasn't like a tragedy that happened in San Antonio where there was a truck full of 50 illegal immigrants who died in that truck. I mean, in this case, they were dropped off on a resort island. Now, I'm not saying that they were prepared for that or anybody was prepared for that, but I guess the point was that this this really is a situation affecting everybody, and it certainly made enough headlines that it's caused a refocus on that border. Ken, you are just tuned in. We have uh, Jeff Deal. He is a Republican gubernatorial candidate here in studio talking. Uh, give us a little bit of an update from the campaign trail. we get got like uh, four or five minutes left. If you were to pick a particular uh, subject matter, an issue that you feel you need to get out to the listeners here on the South Shore, what would that particular issue be that you want to at least remind folks about when it comes to Jeff Deal and what you would do as, uh, as governor? You know, it, it's interesting because I think I touched a little bit on the economy. That's going to be a really important factor, I think, in the elections uh, itself. You know, people tend to look at uh, when the economy is down, a referendum on who's in office, who's not in office. Maura Healy in office um, has been someone who I don't think you can particularly look at as saying she's been um, tremendously friendly towards corporations and towards uh, trying to you know reduce tax burden. Um, at the same time, I've talked about education and how I want to stand up for parents and give them more of a voice at that local level and make sure they have more choices statewide to make sure that their kids have that bright future that we always expect our kids to have, the better future than our, ourselves. But the other thing, too, is sort of lying behind the surface is energy. And I know, again, I've talked a little bit about the cost of gas. The fact of the matter is, um, and this is really disturbing, you know, we're, we've closed Pilgrim Nuclear Power Plant in Plymouth, so we've got 19% of our energy off the table. We've c- closed our coal-fired plants, Brayton Point. You know, we've gotten um, away, you know, now we're going towards renewable energies, which is great, you know, wind and solar. But you cannot, and, and anybody will admit to you, you cannot produce enough electricity from wind and solar to power the homes, the businesses, and the vehicles of this state by 2030. It is a physical impossibility, and the grid is not simply ready for that type of uh, load yet. So, unfortunately, You've got an attorney general in Moore Healy who's proud about shutting down two natural gas pipelines, two LNG pipelines coming into Massachusetts. Those feed manufacturing businesses and those feed home heating. We are going to have, in my estimation, a pretty high home heating bill coming up this fall. And a lot of that is going to be due directly to the fact that she is trying to reduce, because of her belief in getting rid of fossil fuels, that energy. LNG is probably the the cleanest burning fossil fuel 
and the lowest impact uh, that we can do as we transition away from fossil fuels. But you cannot set up a goal of getting out of there by 2030 with fossil fuels and economically be able to maintain a lifestyle of you know working, living in this state. In fact, we lost 50,000 people last year. Massachusetts people left this state, 50,000 of them, because of affordability issues, whether it's gas, whether it's you know housing, whether it's choices like the vaccine mandates. You know, um, there was a lot of law enforcement officers, state police fired because they wouldn't get vaccinated, even though they were on the front line during the pandemic. Maybe they got natural immunity. Maybe they have underlying health issues that, you know, were a problem for them. So on day one, I'm returning every state worker to their job if they want it back, if they were fired from the vaccine mandate. And again, we're going to make sure that we put people and the affordability and their personal choices of freedom, whether it's education, whether it's um, their health choices. We're going to make sure that people have a lot more choices going forward. And if folks want to find out more about uh, what's going on with the deal, uh, the deal campaign. Deal Allen campaign. Deal Allen campaign. That's right. Say Leah Allen, Leah Allen and Jeff Deal. Tell, tell us about if they want to find out more about you guys or if they want to meet up with you uh, on the campaign trail. Well, first, I'd say just if you see Kevin Tachi on the street, just ask him because he's got my cell phone number and he can put us in touch. But after you see Kevin and you, you've uh, you've done that, go to my website, jeffdeal.com, G-E-O-F-F-D-I-E-H-L.com. And you can also go to dealallen.com, D-I-E-H-L-A-L-L-E-N.com. Both will take you to the same website. That's where you can learn about my platform. Uh, I've got videos on there about just about every uh, issue that you I think anybody would want to know where my stance is. But if you don't feel like you've heard enough there, there's an email that you can contact me on that site. If you want to get some really cool campaign gear, sweatshirts, hats, things like that, we've got a, a, a little store or a web store there you can go to. And you can make a donation, but you can also sign up to volunteer for stuff. Uh, poll watching, we need people to help there. We need people to uh, hold lawn signs or put out lawn signs and hold signs on streets and stuff. You know, we've got all the usual campaign activity going on, and we've got about seven weeks to do it. Fifty days, I believe, is where we're about at. And, and are you looking forward to uh, any debates? Oh, yeah. So I've proposed three debates uh, currently more. Healy's accepted one. Uh, we'll see if she decides to do any more. With Elizabeth Warren, I had did three debates, and I thought those were pretty uh, good as far as a chance to get a real good idea of what each of the candidates stood for. Well, I want to thank you so much for, for stopping in studio uh, and uh, talking again. Give us an update from the campaign trail. Best of luck. Well, I hope I get four to eight more years of doing Monday Night Talk, sitting from the corner office, right? Absolutely. <laughs> well, listen, let's, let's, one can hope and there's one way for folks who are, uh, you know, are, they've heard your message, they care about what you've said, is to get out and vote and make it happen. Close, close those gaps. A lot of people fought and died to give us the right to vote, and uh, let's exercise it on November 8th. Excellent. There he is, Jeff Deal, our, our, uh, our guest for the final segment of Monday Night Talk. We're going to say goodbye uh, this evening. Until next week at 6.15 p.m. But coming up, a political forum. First Plymouth District State Rep race. Stay tuned.